Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. I hope as you listen to this that you are longing for a deeper relationship with God. Today, we're going to discuss a term used for God originally by Jesus himself and only found three times in the Bible to help us with just that, to help us to have that deep relationship with God. Today, we get to continue with our series on I Am. The names of God that describe his many different attributes that are found throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, So far, if you've been following along, we have discussed uh, Yahweh. Yahweh, which was the name tied to the covenant or the promise that God had with the Israelites that meant his, uh, uh, described his authority, described his power and his presence, his, his existence. And we also discussed Elohim. Uh, a bigger, more general term of God, uh, defining more him as a, as a creator uh, who created the world and the universe around us, but who also promises and delivers justice. You know, these two names help us to orient ourselves uh, in relationship with God. In other words, I'm sure that as you listen to this, you think of God in, in a much bigger way than what you and I or our friends are. But hopefully with this, uh, those terms, they even lift God up in our eyes in a much, much bigger way. A much, much bigger way that we can imagine or even uh, think about that our God is an awesome God far beyond what we can comprehend. But remember that he's not far off someplace looking down. I don't picture God on another planet, you know, looking down on earth with a telescope and uh, once every 24 hours as the earth circles around, he sees us. He's not off someplace else. In fact, he, it's just the opposite. He wants to be with us. He wants us to be with him. And through that, he is very patient in our shortcomings, very patient uh, with us. And in fact, provides a path from us to him despite our ugliness, despite our sin, despite of our, our, our weakness and our characters, despite of all of those things because he deeply, deeply wants a loving relationship with us. But as followers of Jesus, we're not just creatures of God. We are, in fact, known as children of God. That that thought, if you're like me, can escape us. So I have a couple of thoughts today that we can take in a deeper way, be more grounded in, set our feet uh, in. It will help us to see God's grace and mercy and be more and more and more oriented towards God being as a child of God more than ever. Today, it's fitting that we look at the word, uh, the term, Abba. Abba, not the 70s rock band. Abba, the word that is used in the New Testament just three times. Just three times. And it's always used in the conjunction with the word Father as we read it in our English Bibles. Abba followed by Father. Abba is an Aramaic term. An Aramaic term that actually would have been said in Jesus' original language. Father, when it's followed by Father, and again our English Bibles, that's actually translated from the Greek patir, which also means Father. So when you see Abba, comma, Father in our English Bibles, it's really translated as Father in Aramaic, Father in Greek, Father in two different languages. 
you know, you may have heard lessons in the past or heard things in the past about the term Abba that it maybe means daddy. Uh, but in fact, I have done a lot of research on this, and there's actually a number of, of, of uh, pieces written that it's not a juvenile term. It doesn't mean daddy. It's not something that only a child uses. In fact, it is an adult term, a common Jewish term at that time, Abba. And so it would have been regularly used, not from a child to his, his or her physical father, but actually you know, for an adult term used regularly, much like we might use our father. So with that as a backdrop moving forward, I have two thoughts uh, for us today based on Abba. The first one being his tangible relationship with you. Think about that. His tangible relationship with you. Sometimes when we think of that relationship of God to us, we know that it might be out there someplace and, and uh, that we might feel that, we might think about that. But in fact, I want to talk about it being in a tangible relationship with you. One that you cannot just think about, but one that you can touch and feel and, and, and notice. And with that, to talk about that a little farther, I'm going to be reading in Mark chapter 14 today. Starting in verse 32, it says, They came to a place named Gethsemane. And he, meaning Jesus, said to his disciples, Sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell to the ground and began praying that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. That again coming from Mark chapter 14 where Mark is describing uh, the, the moments, the, the, the hours before Jesus would be led to the cross. And the night before when he was in the garden with his best friends that he had been with uh, heart and soul for a few years in his ministry. And he needs to pray because as, it, as he describes himself, that he is feeling deeply grieved to the point of death. It's almost hard to imagine. In fact, in Luke, it uh, records that Jesus is experiencing such an uh, agonizing moment here that his sweat became like blood, that it was affecting him physically. But when he gets down and prays, he falls to the ground, crying out, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not as I will, but what you will. To the Jewish mind, this actually would have been offensive. It would have been offensive to call God the Creator, Yahweh, Elohim. It would have been offensive to call him Abba. For the most part, as you might realize, the Jews at the time were, were steeped in their best implementation of Old Testament tradition when addressing God. In fact, there is no evidence anywhere in Judaism literature from that time where Abba is used when addressing God. But here is Jesus. Here is Jesus, the Son of God, on his knees, laying on the ground, crying out, using a common household name, Abba, that any Jew would have used to address their earthly father 
Jesus using it to address the Almighty God the Father. And as mentioned, this is his last night of prayer. I mean, it's a crushing amount of stress that Jesus is enduring. It's hard to imagine what that would have felt like. His disciples, they had reached their limit. Judas, of course, if you know the story, had left to go turn Jesus in to those who wanted to arrest him. The other disciples that were there, while they were with him in proximity, a few feet away, they were not with him in his struggle for his life. When he bowed to pray, when he laid on the ground and praying and crying out to God, he prayed by himself. When we think of our personal fathers, as you listen to this and think about your relationship with your father uh, that you may have had uh, growing up, that's a mixed bag of emotions. Some, as you listen, might be thinking, I had a wonderful father, a wonderful family life growing up. Others, not so much. Others may have really struggled in that relationships. Sometimes our fathers, uh, as we were growing up, sometimes they, they saw us and they supported us, and sometimes they missed by a country mile in seeing what we needed. That being said, we, we kind of have to put that uh, aside as best as we can because Jesus in this moment, when we see him, he is clinging to God. He is clinging to his Father. It was all that he had. And even in that moment, Jesus knew that God the Father could help him. He knew that he could be helped. When he cries out, Abba, Father, he says, all things are possible for you. This relationship for Jesus was the only one that was going to stick with him through the upcoming hours, enduring the scorn and the shame of the cross, enduring the physical beatings, the mocking and the humiliation that was to come. That relationship with his father was the only one that was going to stick with him. Yet, if you know the story, Jesus would not be spared, he would not be saved, he would not be protected in any way as he would take on the events over the next few hours of the cross. He wouldn't be spared in any way. Do you like struggles? Does anyone out there like struggles? Does anyone enjoy a difficult day, a difficult week, a difficult year? Does anyone enjoy going into to work on a Thursday morning and say, oh, I'm just looking forward to a really hard, frustrating day today? No, of course, no one does that. But yet we all have those days. The struggle is real. Reality is that those times when, when those difficult days and weeks and sometimes uh, years, the reality is those, those can feel the loneliest. Those are the times that we can feel by ourselves and feel like no one sees me, no one really understands. Might even question of, why do I even need to endure this situation anyway? I think to appreciate God's love for you is to understand that Jesus, in fact, had an incredibly difficult moment here at this moment as he prayed to his God. I think it is safe to look at him when we find ourselves in our difficulty, in our bad days, in our rough moments. 
And here he sets a total example for us. Here Jesus is the example for us during our hard moments. Not just in prayer, although that is very much a part of the example he sets for us. And listen, uh, when, we, when we are having good days, when we are having bad days, the Bible does call us to pray, to pray consistently to our God. And here in a moment of need, Jesus definitely sets the example for us just simply going in prayer to God. If you look in the book of John, there's a much more extensive view of the prayer that he had that evening. And the Bible teaches us that he was, in fact, praying all night to his God. But not just in the example of prayer. He knows and is confident and trusts in that all things are possible with God. But deeper than that, way deeper, to help us to see uh, his relationship with God and thus our relationship with God. He talks to God in a vulnerable, in a very real and very personal terms. I think he, he sets the example in a way it's easy for us to miss ourselves. We often miss the hope that can come from our times with God. We often miss the hope that can come of our just our, our recognizing how much God longs to be with us. For Jesus, it was an intimate relationship that he had with God the Father. It was a tangible relationship. It was clear. It was definite. It was real. There wasn't a question about his relationship with God. And a relationship that had the foundation of love being expressed and shown as he prayed to his God. You know, when you think about your relationships, my relationships, you know, it could be friend to friend or student to class. You know, there, there, there's always two ways. There's always two sides to a relationship. I mentioned friend to friend, two friends. It could be a boss to a workforce. It could be a father to a child. And whatever kind of relationship you think about, there's always two sides to it. In this case, from God the Father's side, I think he was pained greatly to see Jesus in his pain, just as it pains him to see us hurting. Uh, Psalms 56 illustrates God's concern, I think, uh, that, that we can take from uh, and, and use for us as well. In this moment, it's actually David's pain. As David writes uh, Psalm chapter 56, it starts out in verse 1, be gracious to me, God, for a man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My enemies have trampled upon me all day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Those first three verses describe this pain that David is enduring. He describes his enemies as just trampling upon him all day long. But you skip down to verse 8. He also writes, You, God, have taken account of my miseries. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back on the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. That is in Psalm 56. God was certainly for David in that moment. God was certainly for Jesus in his moment as he bowed before his father to pray as he bowed before his Abba, 
his close father. And that is the same God that we can be close to ourselves. Make no mistake that God, when you cry, he sees your tears. Make no mistake that God is in fact for you. Don't be fooled in your most difficult times. God sees you in your pain just as he saw Jesus in his pain. Because remember, God's existence isn't somewhere off in some other planet. His existence is with us, as we discussed on a previous podcast. He longs for us. He longs to know our pain. I think Jesus knew that, and Jesus endeared himself to God, and it showed as he connected himself by addressing God Almighty as Abba, Father. He addressed him as Father in his everyday language. But then there's the other side of the relationship as well, the son or daughter side, or our side as we look at God. His prayer was, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. His Abba prayer, as endearing as it was, is a total expression of two things. One, just obedient surrender. Obedient surrender, completely surrendered to the Father's will. No matter what, your will comes first, God. No matter what, I want your will to be done. No matter what, I am all in for your will, God, even if it makes no sense to me. My actions will be in accordance to your will, what you want. The obedient surrender that Jesus had. Secondly, it was an expression of unconditional faith in his Father. I know and I believe that you have me regardless of anything that may come my way because I am going to remain obedient to you, God. My actions will be obedient to you. His Abba prayer, as enduring as it was, expressed obedient surrender and unconditional faith in his Father. This relationship is no different for us, folks. I go back to what I've mentioned before about orienting our place with God. And again, I, I hope that your view of God is bigger than ever if you've listened, listened to our, our, our few podcasts that we've put together. But he's not a big God that's off in la-la land. He is a tangible God whose presence is within you and I. He simply desires our faith in him and obedience to him. Because he is the Abba, he is the Father, that is all a good thing and both an incredible a gift for us to enjoy, this gift of a deep and present relationship that nothing can separate, Romans chapter 8. And yet at the same time, it's a higher call in our actions because of the way we see him and the way we put our faith in him. And when we are obedient to this higher call, when we are obedient as Jesus was, it's without a doubt going to show in our lives. It's without a doubt going to be a a, a light to the world around us. I have a friend of mine whose name is Drake who I was having lunch with recently, and he's a young man that uh, does a lot of uh, gaming online. 
and he often plays with the same group of friends that are scattered throughout the country. A lot of them he's not met face-to-face -face and just uh, become friends online gaming. This is a group for Drake, a friend group, that is good for playing games with, but he doesn't use it for any spiritual advisement or uh, any spiritual help. It's not a very spiritual group. But Drake is working hard in his life to be obedient to God, which includes being a light in this group. And it was so much so that he recently asked for prayers for one of his friends that was in the group. And I said, well, why, why did he ask you, Drake? And he said, well, I'm not like them. I, I enjoy playing the games with them, but they talk in ways that I don't talk, and they talk about things I don't talk about. Drake is obedient to his God, trying to stay righteous in a, in a world that's maybe not so much. And it shows. He is living up to that higher call, that same higher call that says, let your will be done, God. The second thought I have today as it relates to Abba Father, the first one being his relationship with you. The second is your adoption relationship with him. Your adoption relationship with him. There's two additional times that we see the term Abba used in the New Testament, and both are in letters written from Paul, one to the church in Galatia, which was written about 15 years after Jesus went to the cross, and the other is to the church in Rome, which was written about 25 years later. As I read them both, I think you'll see that Jesus, uh, or excuse me, Paul is referencing Jesus' prayer. And you're going to see the same two themes that we've just discussed, the theme of the father-child relationship and the theme of obedient surrender and unconditional faith. So I'll read the first in Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. It says, so we too, when we were children, we were held in bondage under the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Secondly, in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living in accord, in accord with the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God... These are sons and daughters of God, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. These two churches, both of them struggled the, with the idea of Jew and Gentile relationships. And he offers two familiar ideas to help him, help them uh, through the term Abba. One, the belief that although not born of the physical sense, that, but through adoption, we are heirs with Christ of an eternal home with God. 
We are certainly uh, today not under the laws of, of the Old Testament, but with God, the Elohim, uh, creator of all the world. Yahweh, who has all authority of all time. That God, he has chosen you. He has picked you. God, the Yahweh, all authority, all presence. He has sought you out. He has gone to extreme measure for you. He has paid the ultimate price for you. He adopted you so that you are an heir. Not just a member. Not just one of the team. Not just one of the guys. Not just one of the girls. But an heir. A soul to soul. Son or daughter by God. By his choice. That's what's happened here that he has reached out to adopt us. And then number two, Paul also mentions our obligation. The same as Jesus offered in his desperate prayer that night in the garden. We are obligated to live by the Spirit of God, according to the Spirit of God, not according to our spirit or our own flesh. Paul clearly writes, put to death the deeds of the flesh and live. Jesus prayed, not as I will, but as you will. There is an obligation on our end, on our side of the relationship, of obedience, of reverence, of humility, and having these things before our God. Jesus and Paul both used Abba followed by Father. The Jewish language followed by the Gentile language. I think regardless of our background, regardless of our heritage, our language, our culture, what we wear or where we live, this adoption relationship is available to everyone, which was the point, I think, of saying both languages, Jewish, the Aramaic, and in the Greek. It is available to everyone. It's available to you and to me, all the people that you see around you all the people in the world, everyone, it is available to. And what an incredible gift again that it is. So thoughts to take with you maybe this week as you listen to this is to meditate further on this relationship. In love, God has chosen you to be an heir. In love, you strive in submission to him. Meditate on that of what he has done for you and your part back to him, the relationship that is tangible and there before you. I can encourage you, too, to be deliberate in your prayer. Maybe even start the prayer with using the word Abba, Father, to remind you. But thinking about him adopting you as a son or a daughter right before you pray, that will change your prayer. Considering that and thinking about that deeply, that will change your prayer and deepen your prayer with him. And then number three, how, how can you lean into your Abba Father that your life would further reflect your appreciation or love for God? How can you better lean into him? That's going to be an answer that's you specific. But how can you lean into him in a better way? Because I know he longs to have an incredibly deep relationship with you. Let's all lean in to that Abba Father who loves us so much.
I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it, would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.